Hi, and welcome to Follow's weekly message podcast. Thanks for joining us. We hope this message inspires you and helps you follow Jesus in your community for His glory. We hope you enjoy the message. Hi, I'm Luke, and I'm a workaholic. If this online broadcast was a confessional for workaholics, I think many of us would be making confessions this morning. And follow the last three weeks, we've spoken about work. It's been part of our Work, Rest and Play series. And I said in last week's message, the average person spends about 90,240 hours at work throughout their lifetime. Now that sounds like a lot of hours, but the reality is for some people, it's just not enough. The 38 hour a week turns into a 50 to 60 hour a week. And that happens week after week, month after month, year after year, until it just becomes a pattern of life. As we think about work, I think there are two main dangers we face with work. The last few weeks we've talked about the first one, and the first one is that work becomes an obligation, simply a means to an end, something we have to do to earn a paycheck so that we can you know, pay the mortgage and enjoy the weekend and all that sort of stuff. And so when that's our approach to work, it actually ejects us from being a faithful presence in our workplace. Now, in the last few weeks, we've described a faithful presence as somebody who obediently represents God's character in the places they are planted. And so if we just see work as a means to an end, it actually ejects us from the ability to be a faithful presence in our workplace. But the second danger of work, the first one's obligation, but the second danger of work is that it becomes an idol, where God is you know, supposed to be our number one priority, and then work ends up consuming us and what happens is God is pushed off the throne and we put work in his place. And so we start to look to work for a sense of purpose and value and worth and all the things we're meant to find in God, we then look for in our work. And so when that happens, we're also ejected from being a faithful presence at work because we're constantly exhausted and we're striving for more. But also at the same time, we get ejected from being a faithful presence with our family with our spouse and kids and in our friendships where we find ourselves present and absent at the same time. I'm sure we can all think of times where we're present in a room, but we're actually absent because we're just thinking about and consumed by our work. Working diligently and faithfully is something that's incredibly important as long as it never becomes an idol in our hearts. And so how do we avoid work becoming an idol? Well, I think we need to balance it with the opposite of work. The opposite of work, of course, is rest. Ironically, our world is currently in an unprecedented situation with COVID-19. We've had worldwide mass shutdowns, sporting events, concerts, conferences, workplaces, schools, universities, and churches, which is precisely why you're watching this video. There's so much that is difficult about a time like this, and I don't want to underestimate that for one second. There are, of course, those who are sick with the virus, people right around the world who have died, and people that have lost loved ones, but there's also people that are really anxious at the moment, really stressed. Um, They've lost jobs or they're worried about losing a job soon. Industries have closed, closing down, and at the street level, people are hoarding supplies, they're panic buying, and they're fighting over groceries in the supermarket. And there's this underlying anxiety and concern that is gripping people right around the world with so much still unknown. And a lot of that's completely understandable. If you're feeling that way, and we want to empathize with you and understand that this is a very difficult time. But at the same time, for us as the people of God, it's also an opportunity to be a non-anxious presence. 
in that environment where everyone's anxious, for us to be non-anxious is a really important thing as we grow deeper in our love and our trust of God. And as we express kindness and love and generosity to the world around us and also the hope that we have in Christ is a really important opportunity for us to take in this time. But in a difficult situation, it's not the only opportunity. There are often other blessings that can come from bad situations if we're open enough to actually see them. One of those blessings is that we are now in a season of enforced rest. Less events, less meetings, less nights out, less travel. And within this rest time, we have an opportunity to press the pause button on life and to reevaluate our lives and work out the difference between wants and needs. There's so much stuff that we think are needs in our life, but in a season like this, we're realizing that they're really just wants. We're finding out that our kids who need to play four sports or do a million activities will actually survive if they don't. Who would have thought? We're finding out that that daily gym session, which was important, is not as essential to life as we thought it was. The I feel at steak, which was the only suitable cut for us to eat, well, most of us would be happy just with a bit of mince and a sausage right now. And that four-ply lavender fragrance toilet paper that is soft and gentle on our backsides, well, we're now grateful for one ply as long as we can get hold of it in a culture where nobody has a square to spare. And work, well, while it's a blessing, actually it isn't the most important thing in life. And perhaps we've made it an idol. And what's really important is our loved ones when you boil it all down and our relationship with God. I think we'll start to see in the weeks and the months to come that the busyness of our daily lives running from one thing to another perhaps isn't healthy or even sustainable. Or maybe this enforced time of rest will help us to develop new and more healthy rhythms on the other side. Maybe this is a moment we needed to have as the people of God to disrupt our lives and to get some fresh perspective and balance that will challenge us and hopefully counter the busy, the crazy busyness that we've built our lives upon. And so how we use this extra time in this extraordinary season will be both interesting and critical in our faith journeys. Last week I said that the church is going through another reformation. Not so much a theological reformation, although I think that's important at times. We are going through a reformation in posture and practice. The way we engage with people needs to change in a world that has changed if we're to reach them with the good news of Jesus. But the practice of our faith and the rhythms of our life also need to be reformed if we're going to be a countercultural presence representing Jesus in this crazy, busy world. Maybe part of that reformation is learning the forgotten art of rest. As someone who has a tendency to overwork, it's not something I find easy. If I'm honest this morning, I often feel guilty when I rest because I feel like I'm actually wasting opportunities to be achieving something. Every minute in the day is another chance to get something done, to prove myself. And at its deepest point, maybe I've even thought that to please God, to truly please him, I need to keep working. This is why living out the gospel every day is so important. In recent years, I've got much better at grounding my identity in the person of Jesus and what he says about me, not by what I achieve in my work. I've realized that I'm not loved by God the Father for what I achieved, but because of what Jesus the Son achieved on my behalf through his death and resurrection on the cross. He died for my sins. He overcame overcame the works of the enemy. I'm forgiven and made righteous. And he has won the victory for me. And so I don't need to constantly strive 
to earn or keep a relationship with God by the things I do, but I can find great rest for my soul in the finished work of Jesus and the continued work of the Spirit in my life, knowing that I am a child of God. And that's one of the wonderful truths, spiritual truths of the gospel. But when it comes to practice, and as a number three on the Enneagram, the achiever, and coming from a hardworking family, old habits die hard when it comes to overworking. In 2020, one of the goals of my life is to reform my practice of rest so that my life better reflects God and who he is and the life that he designed and intended for me to live. It's also one of our goals as a congregation this year. We set aside five weeks in our calendar when we planned absolutely nothing except weekend services and our food van ministry to the homeless and disadvantaged in our community. Apart from that, everything else was put on hold. No meetings, no small groups, nothing else was going to occur because we wanted it to be a time that we set together as a community to rest, to connect with our neighbours and family and to dedicate time to personal prayer and growth in God. As it turns out, we're going to have a lot more time than originally planned more than we ever imagined. But perhaps there's a silver lining in this disruption. What I'm learning and what I want to convey today to you is that rest is not a necessary evil. In fact, it's a God-given gift and it's one of the most important spiritual disciplines for us to practice on a regular basis. Rest has always been part of our design because we were created in the image of a God who rested. In the creation account, many of you would know, God spent six days creating all the beauty and all the magnificence of the world that we see around us. In Genesis chapter 2, verse 2 to 3, it says this, By the seventh day, God had finished the work he'd been doing. So on the seventh day, he rested from all of his work. Then God blessed the seventh day and he made it holy because on it he rested from all of the work of creating that he had done. I think it's so critical to understand that God is not only a God who works, but he's also a God who values rest. In fact, he designed rest for us to enjoy as part of growing our relationship with him. A.W. Tozer once said, what comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. In other words, what we think about God shapes our lives. Adam Mabry, in his book, The Art of Rest, said if God is a hurried taskmaster, constantly turning knobs and pushing buttons, frenetically refining his work, it's hard to imagine resting with him. But if God the Father, Son and Spirit are the very definition of love and fundamentally relational, then the idea of resting with him becomes more than imaginable. It becomes desirable. God invites you and I to find rest in his presence through prayer and meditation, through the word around food and fellowship with family and friends. And perhaps this difficult season actually opens up a whole bunch of new opportunities for that so that we end up with a new normal on the other side. What I notice in the Genesis account is that God blessed the day of rest. Then God blessed the seventh day and he made it holy, is what verse 3 says. He didn't think to himself, what a waste. I could have created a few more galaxies on that seventh day. No, it says that he blessed the seventh day and he made it holy. It must mean that rest is not just a good thing, but from the very beginning, 
It's actually been a God thing. And so this morning, I want you to repeat this after me. And I know it's a little bit weird because you're in your lounge room. But I want you to repeat these three words. Um, I hope you're ready. God blessed rest. Let's say it again. Say it out loud. God blessed rest. Put your hand up this morning if you did that. Don't panic. I can't see you. But God can. So hopefully you did it. Um, But I made you repeat those words this morning because I needed to hear myself say it. I need to keep reminding myself that God bless rest and that Jesus has already done all the work on my behalf. And so God bless rest is the title of today's message. And hopefully it will be a reminder to us to practice it. The question I have when I think about God resting in the creation account is, did God need to rest? I think the answer to that is no. Psalm 121 tells us that he's the God who never sleeps or slumbers. He's the all-powerful, all-sufficient, almighty God. And so the question then becomes, why did he rest? Well, as I've thought about that recently, I think that God didn't rest from exhaustion like we do. He rested from exhilaration. He'd worked hard to create the universe. And when he finished all of his work of creating, he laid down his work to enjoy the world that he had made. God didn't need to rest, but what he did in the creation of the world was to set a pattern for you and I to follow because in our humanity, we need to. We need rest. We're not designed to work, work, work. We're designed to live in a pattern of work and rest. It's a pattern set by God for our lives at the very beginning. As I studied it afresh this week, I noticed something fascinating about the creation account. What I found fascinating is that God rested on the seventh day. And so he rest was the last thing he did after completing all of his work. But have you ever noticed that it wasn't the same pattern for Adam and Eve? You see, Adam and Eve were created on the sixth day. And so the very first thing they woke up to as human beings was a full day of rest. Their first memory, their first practice, their first responsibility in life was to rest. God said to them later, I want you to be fruitful and multiply and tend and care for the garden, but not before they had rested. Jefferson Bethke puts it this way. He says, too many of us are trying to be like God when we are Adam. Only when we truly know rest and celebration can we know how to work and enjoy it. You see, from the start of creation, we were created to be human beings, to be present with God, to be present with one another. But the unfortunate truth is that we've become human doings in our propensity to overwork and in our failure to rest. And as we buy into the pattern of life all around us, the dominant narrative of our world, where the busyness is kind of like a badge of honour, we become like salt that's no longer salty and a light that dims rather than shines. As Christians, meant to be set apart for representing Jesus, we end up looking no different to anybody else. As I've thought about this in recent months, I've come to the point of realising that I wholeheartedly believe more than any time in history that rest is mission. And we've often thought that we rest from mission, burnout or overcommitting or exhaustion or just in a season to have a break, but I'm not sure We've ever seen rest as mission. But in a world where there are endless events and responsibilities, where people never switch off social media and the internet, and where the vast majority are walking around like zombies, neglecting rest because of a constant striving to be something and achieve something in their work, rest might be one of the most profound expressions of mission we have. 
Because in our rest, we offer to the world a countercultural way of life to a world which feels a crushing need to achieve, to work and to be constantly connected. Rest is a discipline of disengagement with distraction in order to engage with relationship with God and others. Let me say that again. Rest is a discipline of disengagement with distraction in order to engage in relationship with God and with one another. Can you imagine how much we would stand out if when people asked us how we are, instead of the default response of busy, we actually said amazing. And when people asked us, why are you so amazing? We could say, you know why? Because last night I had eight hours sleep. I practiced rests. We, we tapped into what we were designed to be by prioritizing time with God. You know, it's really hard to be a faithful presence and bloom in the places where we've been planted if we're constantly exhausted. I think we'd find more joy in our work. I think we'd become more effective employees. And I think we'd be exponentially more effective in mission if we began to practice God-given rest. As we become disciplined with rest, our capacity to be present for people, well, it grows. And perhaps that's more important right now than it's ever been before. Rest is mission in a hyper-busy world. You know, one of my favourite psalms, probably my favourite psalm, is Psalm 46. So much great stuff within that psalm. But I particularly love verse 10. It says, Be still and know that I am God. I really love that. Be still. Let's just practice that for a moment. Just take a deep breath. Just be still. To be still is to rest. It's to stop when everything else is moving. It's to disconnect and unplug when everything else is connected. It's to concentrate. It's to focus in. The passage says, be still. And then it says, and know that I am God. To know that he is God means that anxiety starts to disappear as confidence starts to return in the reminder of who he is. In the midst of uncertainty, he is God. During a pandemic, he is God. In suffering anxiety, he is God. At all times, be still and know that he is God. I want to encourage you this week to find time and space to be still. I can almost guarantee you that if this is not an existing practice in your life, you will find it difficult. You'll probably struggle. Why do I say that? How do I know that? Because I feel it. But I'm happy to report that I'm growing in it. Late last year, as I take my regular walks around the lake at Lakeside, I started to make it my practice to stop on the bench right by the lake. And I've simply meditated on this verse. Be still. And know that I am God. And so I sit there and I repeat it in my mind over and over again as I enjoy God's creation all around me. And I've got to say the first time I did it, it was really hard to stop my mind wandering, my thoughts going elsewhere. But as I've practiced the presence of God by simply being still, it's got easier each time. Now if I sit there for five minutes 10 minutes meditating on that verse and enjoying God's presence, I can't describe to you the refreshment it's brought to my soul. In terms of energy levels, it's like having the equivalent of two hours sleep. But when it comes to my spiritual life, the energy, 
the creativity and the refreshment it brings is not something that I could possibly measure. It's given me new life, new spiritual life. And in this way, I think rest can also be mission in a busy world. And the first thing the first humans ever experienced was rest. And from that place of rest, they stepped out of that place of rest to do their work. Now, why was this? Well, I believe God designed it that way to show us that relationship with him and with each other should be the primary and first priority of our lives. I wonder for you if that's true. I think for most of us, we get so caught up in the busyness of what we're doing in life that relationship with God and connecting with others becomes more of an afterthought than a primary pursuit of our lives. Jesus, when he was here on earth, was asked one day what the greatest commandment was. And he responded by saying the greatest command is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all of your mind and with all of your strength. And he said the second one is like it is to love your neighbour as yourself. And then he says, there is no greater command than these. Rest is a gift from God designed to deepen our relationship with him and with one another. And so when we build our lives on work, 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 and we fail to prioritise rest, then guess what suffers? Our relationship with God and our connection with one another. For Adam and Eve, the first priority of their life was rest, to be in relationship with God, to be still and to know that he was God. And it was also for them to connect with one another. And Jesus confirms that it should also be the number one priority of our lives as well. Not only did he confirm it with his words, but he also modelled it with his life. We know from scripture that Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. He withdrew to lonely places to be with his father, to know his presence. As we read the Gospels, we often focus on the works of Jesus' life. We see all the great miracles, all the things he did. But what we often miss is the pace of Jesus' life. Jesus was interruptible. He meandered with purpose. And as I've studied this more in recent times, I've actually come to see that Jesus was able to do the things he did because he ministered from a place of rest. For us, we cease from work or or ministry to rest. But I think Jesus came out of rest to minister. And there's a big difference. We rest from exhaustion. But Jesus worked from a place of rest. And so the first Adam started with rest. But as the ultimate pandemic of sin gripped creation, rest was cast aside for endless work. But Jesus, the second Adam, restores what was lost in sin and he re-established and role-modelled rest as a priority for life. God has given us his precious gift of rest, not as a law to keep, but as an invitation to relationship. In this time of enforced COVID-19 rest, I'd like to suggest that these two areas of relationship with God and relationship with one another should still be our greatest priority. It'd be so easy to think to ourselves that this season is an opportunity to binge Netflix. And I've already seen people on Facebook asking for all sorts of recommendations about what they can watch on Netflix. And in this time of social distancing and isolation, some of people would say, well, this is an opportunity for me just to focus in on myself. But what if this rest period was seen as a time of relationship? What if in this season we watch less Netflix and we spent more time in the word and on our knees in prayer? What if this time of social disconnection 
we found new and creative ways to connect with one another and show love to our neighbour. What if in the darkness of our current situation, Christians truly became the light of the world, the most generous people, the least panicked, the most trusting, the most joyful, full of hope, abounding in love in the midst of anxious times? And over the years in countries hostile to Christianity, places like China and the Middle East, Christians have been forced to take their faith into underground churches as a result of persecution. And because they weren't gathering publicly, they were out of sight and out of mind, people assumed that the church was dead. Until the laws changed and what emerged was truly wonderful. A church that had grown explosively, a large, dynamic and vibrant group of radical Jesus followers, even stronger than they were before. In Australia, we're not being forced underground by persecution, but we are being driven indoors by a pandemic. And I believe as we keep our eyes on Jesus, he's our vision, we too could emerge stronger than we've ever been before. I think we could come out of this period of time, no matter how long it is, with more godly rhythms in our lives with a feeling of rested refreshment as we be still and know that he is God and a more mature faith in Christ and an even deeper relationship with one another. God blessed rest and I believe he can still bless rest even if it's enforced rest. And so follow family, I want to encourage you. Let's be people who keep praying Let's keep growing. Let's keep connecting. And let's keep believing that in this time of rest, something truly wonderful will emerge on the other side. Let's just bow our heads and I'd love to pray. Lord God, I just want to thank you for your word. It's so encouraging to us and it challenges us. And Lord, we want to repent today of the times where work has become an idol. And we've just been so busy doing stuff that we haven't even taken a second to be still and know that you are God. Right now, Lord, stillness is not how we describe the world around us. There's panic, there's flustering, there's fighting, there's concern. But Lord, I pray in this time, as we're reminded of our own frailty and fragility, I just pray that we would remember that you are still on the throne, that you are our ever-present help in time of need, that we can cast our anxieties on you. And you carry them for us. And so we do that this morning. Lord, as we be still, Lord, I pray for powerful moments in your presence. I pray that you would challenge us and you would change us by your word, by your spirit, as we spend time with one another, whether it's online or whether it's face-to-face. Lord, I pray that there would be rich times that emerge from this difficult situation. We thank you for today that we could gather together via online technology and we thank you for the blessing that is. And Lord, we look forward to the day where we can once again gather in the same room, lift our hands and worship you together. But in the meantime, we're going to press in. We're going to believe for great and powerful things in your name. We pray this confidently and we pray it in the powerful name of Jesus Christ. And everybody said, Amen. Thanks so much for tuning in today. Hope you've enjoyed the message. If you're meeting in a house party today to watch the message together, I'd encourage you to keep the conversation going and uh, really you know, dig into God's word, really talk about maybe your own rhythms of rest in life and, and whether it's something that you need to reassess. I know for me it is, and maybe it is for you as well. So God bless. Love your heaps. Anything you need, let us know. Have a great week and we'll talk to you soon. Thanks for tuning in to Follow Online. 
To stay updated, go to follow.church. As the people of God, let's stay connected and follow the words of Jesus to love one another.